And let's look at Acts chapter 9. I want to I uh, preach something that, that I already had ready, but kind of is something on my heart tonight. As you know, we've got the kids doing children's church, and I think that's an awesome thing. Last Wednesday, or last month when they did that, uh, we heard some great reports from the kids. You might have heard, you know, your kids back there taking notes, and uh, Ryan's back there preaching right now to them, or after they get done with it, whatever they're doing. So it's an awesome opportunity, amen? But I want to I wanna show you something in the scriptures, and then I want to bring it in tonight as, as something from my heart. There's messages, times and messages where I want to preach to you something from my heart, amen? That's, uh, that's, uh, sometimes it's something that can keep us from trouble, amen? So I want to look at this, this chapter first in Acts 9. We all know the conversion of Saul. We talk about it a lot. I've preached a lot about it several times recently. And we know that we talk about him a lot because he's very important. Because he wrote most of the New Testament. Amen? And there's many different ways you can go with him. But let's look at Acts chapter 9. And I want to read out uh, again his conversion and show you something very important to it. So we see that he has uh, an experience with God in verse 5. Or sorry, sorry, verse 4 of chapter 9. And he says, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And just recently in the last forum we had, I answered the question of why doesn't everybody have a Saul experience where they fall off a horse and light hits them in the eye? And uh, really, I believe we all do have, this, have a Saul experience. We just don't always all fall off a horse. Amen? But if you look at your conversion... And that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit tonight is your conversion to Christ. When you look at when you got saved and you converted from death to life and became a Christian, um, you did really have a Saul experience. It just uh, sometimes doesn't seem as dramatic as what we read in the Bible, but we all had one. Amen? So it says, he fell to the ground and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. Verse 5. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Okay, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight. And without drink. Now, I want you to look at for a second at verse 6. I was praying about this, and uh, it's funny because I was praying all day and I didn't get anything until when I was about to come up here As th- on this particular thing that I was praying about. So, Holy Spirit's always on time, amen? amen? So, if you look at this again, he says, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, when we get saved, this is really important. This is something I want, to, I want to tie in. I was telling my dad just yesterday, it was interesting, we were talking, and we were talking about uh, the testimony that Ceci and John just gave Sunday. And, and I had just mentioned to him, I had just said, it's amazing as we look back over the years, you know, we're uh, now seven and a half years that we've been a church here in Denton. And of course, we pastored in Costa Rica, so we've about 15 years of pastoring now, so I've seen lots of people, Right? And seen lots of conversion experiences and seen lots of um, discipleship and seen lots of people come, lots of people go, lots of people um, really change, lots of people bear fruit. 
and seen every part of the gamut that you could possibly see, okay? And I began to think, and it's funny because I told them, I said, yesterday, I said, it's amazing how many people we've seen come in and give a testimony. Now, I want you to understand when I say this, I'm not saying this in a bad way. This is actually just something you can learn from as it's something recent, okay? And you'll follow me in a second. We've seen people come in and give testimonies of physical healings, financial healings, marital healings, miracles, and on and on, okay? Just, just lots of things that God does. And they'll stand up here, and that's what we're supposed to do, testify and say, man, the Lord did this. And, and, and so we understand, this is something that's really important, we understand without a doubt that God and Jesus is the one who heals. God and Jesus is the one who does the miracle, okay? It's not anything we do. But what I said to my dad is very true, and what I want to talk about tonight is that we don't connect the miracle or the testimony with the house where it happens. Okay, y'all with me on that? So what happens is, is we, and, and when, I, when I say it's by experience, you have someone come in and, and, and come into the church and get saved a lot of times. doesn't always mean they, they could have been saved, but a lot of times get saved. And then begin to bear fruit and then begin to learn how to apply the word of God and then begin to see things change. Many of you in this place tonight, and again, I'm, I'm talking from my heart. Many of you, when you came into this place, were bound by something. Many of you, when you came in, were not married. Many of you, when you came in, were struggling with things. And so we understand totally that God is the one who heals. God is the one who delivers. God is the one who sets free. But we have to understand that God uses a place and God uses a people for that to happen. And so a lot of times we'll, we'll, we've seen over the years people come in and give those testimonies. And then later on they're gone for whatever reason, legitimate or not, right or wrong. They leave the church that, that God did the miracle in. I just was at, you know, at the home church and we've had all these pastors come in. And I do the same thing when I go there. You get to know, as you've gone to conference, you get to know people at other churches, uh, or home church and other pastors and other people. And then you'll go back at another conference and you've made a friendship with, you know, one of those families. Or, and you'll go to another conference and say, hey, and you'll talk to a pastor or you'll talk to some of those people and say, hey, how is so-and-so doing? And what do we hear a lot of times? Oh, they're not coming to church anymore. Right. Oh, they've left. Oh, they're not. Oh, they backslid or whatever. And it breaks your heart to hear that, you know, that these people have gone back to their old ways, or they've left the church or whatever. And so I was just uh, there with Pastor Marshall, and we had a guy about three years ago who was part of our judgment play uh, back several years ago who came into our church as an atheist and got saved miraculously and had a major, major amazing experience, okay? And, um, and his life was changed. But so you say, okay, his life was changed, obviously, by God, and obviously by Jesus, but Jeff was the one who reached out to this man and was the connection and the key to the house where this man, amen, got saved. And then he got saved and then he got healed. He was supposed to go in. Pastor Marshall was here for a revival. And the next day he was supposed to go in for a, a surgery on both knees, amen. And he's supposed to go in for surgery for both knees. And that night, Pastor Marshall prayed for him, and he was miraculously healed and actually still went to the doctor, and there was no need for surgery. Okay? So atheist, healed knees and all this, and then for whatever reason, things come along, and so obviously he doesn't come to this church anymore. But the, the, I think there's a danger 
and not connecting the miracle with the house. Okay, y'all with me so far? And so what we're seeing here is, is a, a lot of people over over span of lives and, and worlds and countries where we don't have a faithfulness and a commitment to the house. Okay? And so here you see, look at me, look at this with me again. I'm gonna show you something in the scriptures. He says, trembling and astonished, what do you want me to do? So we understand that there was no help whatsoever. In this, in this experience with, with Saul's conversion, it was one-on-one with God. And always it's God that saves. It's Jesus that, that saves. It's not a man or a woman. But there's, there's, there's someone that God uses. And so this was a, a, a rare occasion where no man had been involved yet. No person had been involved yet. And he got saved. But what's interesting to me is nobody is without the need of somebody to disciple them. Nobody is without the need of somebody to cover them, somebody to uh, shepherd them, as Pastor Andrew said at the offering, somebody to help them along, and somebody to be accountable to. We need to be accountable to somebody. And so we have a lot of people today in the world that church hop, and they just jump around and go different places, and they don't stay it out. And it's really like a a marriage that says, you know what, we're not going to work this out, we're just going to get divorced. Now, we know there's biblical reasons to get divorced, but a lot of times marriages just get to where, you know what, we got irreconcilable differences, and we're just not going to make it work. And a lot of times people in church can have that happen. Something can happen, and, and for whatever reason, they can leave. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is, is you leave behind the connection of the blessing and the miracle with the house. Okay? So he says here with something very interesting. He says, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'm saved now. I've been converted. And he says, I want you to go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. So somebody has to tell him what his next step is. Okay, now let's read on, and I'll come back to this in a second. And the men who journeyed, we read that already, verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judah for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Now, we know the rest of this story. Ananias doesn't like this. This has nothing to do with the story, but this, at the angle I want to take with this, but Ananias doesn't want to do this because he knows who Saul is. Okay, he's not Paul yet, and he knows this is Osama bin Laden. This is the guy that's killing all of them, and uh, he does not really want to go visit. He's not too happy about it, but he obeys. And so he says, Lord, I have heard many from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in your name. And the Lord said, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will, watch this, I will show him many things he must suffer for my sake. Now watch this, this next verse. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. See the house? See the word house? The, we, we call this the house. We said, Jesus is in the house. Amen. Uh, the Lord's in the house. How many are here tonight in the house? This is the house of God. Amen. This is the place that we gather together. Amen. And so back then they didn't have the, 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 the sanctuaries yet. They were meeting in houses. 
But what happened here is we see on the road to Damascus, Saul gets saved and he converts. And God says, now my first step for you is go to the house and I'm going to teach you what you need to do. And so we, we know that he goes on and we'll finish reading here in just a second. But we know he goes on and listens to the voice of the Lord. So Saul gets saved and listens to God to go to a man at a house. Ananias is willing to be the house, to be the man, to let him in. And right there we, we see a discipleship take place. And, and this is just tonight. It's a great service and a great night to, to, to talk about this on a Wednesday night with, with most of us are here every service. And, this is, and some of us are new converts in here. Some of us are just really, or we've known the Lord for a long time, but we're really learning some things about God. And so uh, we, we need to understand where I'm going with this about how important it is to make the connection of the miracle to the house. Okay? So Pastor Marshall asked me about this guy. He, so I'm there at, at the home church. He says, hey, is so-and-so, uh, st- you know, go there anymore? Or is he going there? Or have you heard anything from him? He knew he had, he had already left. And I said, no. So he's still concerned about that because he knew, he knows that God did a miracle, amen, through him, obviously, and through his ministry at this house. And it's hard to understand sometimes how that can be forgotten. And then you move on uh, to something else or some other kind of thing, and you forget where, where you came from. Okay? How many are with me on that? So, so, so what, is, what am I trying to say tonight in case you haven't caught on yet? Make sure that you understand that the things that God has done in your life is God, no doubt. But God uses a place, God uses a house, and God uses a people. So don't ever get to a place where you forget, man, God did a miracle there. And sometimes we, 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 we get busy in life and we get caught up. And listen, I could go around the room tonight, like I said, Johnny and Adrian back there, God's done, ama- they, they both knew of the Lord, but God's done amazing things in their lives, and they've been married in this house, and they've been discipled in this house, amen, and, and God's doing something in their lives, amen, so they got to remember that, that no matter what comes along, they say, you know what, that's my house, amen. and you know, you don't, you don't get to a place where you divorce your parents because you have an argue with them, amen, you're still your parents, and there's still a connection, so I really felt led to say this because, again, this happens in every church around the world, but it can help you stay out of danger from losing a blessing or losing a miracle or getting yourself out of the perfect will of God, okay? The covering, amen? Because we have seen, and this isn't to, again, this, I want to re- reiterate this again. This is our church, and this is where we go. But this isn't to lift up us or to lift up what we do. It's the church. If you got, if you got saved in another house or God did a miracle, wherever it was, and, and you were there, and God brought you here because you moved or whatever, those are different circumstances. But stay faithful to your house. Okay, stay, stay faithful to the place that God has done miracles in. Because we have seen, and I could give the mic to many people in here tonight that are core members that have seen people come and go in this church and seen where they're at today. Seeing where they're at today and what they're doing and if they're serving God. And uh, we, we've even seen recently a family get divorced recently. And, and just shocking things that you hear and, and, you, and you just sit there and you scratch your head and you say, God, why, why does this happen? And the hardest thing about serving the Lord 
is knowing you can't control nobody. You can't make anybody make the right decisions. And all you can do is scratch your head and pray for them when somebody decides to leave the house for whatever reason. And, and, and it's, I'm amazed today at how people don't leave the house the right way. If I were to go back seven years on all the times that people have left, and, and you might say, well, there must be something wrong here if a lot of people have left. People leave churches everywhere. Back in the day, if you left a church to go somewhere else, you'd get a letter from your pastor. Uh -huh. None of y'all know about that. You'd come to me and you'd say, I need a letter because I'm going to go to another church and I need to take it to the new pastor. And back in the day, the new pastor wouldn't let you become a member of the new church if you didn't have a letter from your pastor. That's how it used to be. It was automatic. New person came in. Hey, we want to come to this church. This is my wife. This is my husband. This is our family. We want to come to this church. And the pastor would say, do you have a letter? And they'd be like, nope. He'd say, well, you can't be a member here. Because they would have to come. Now, listen, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad in here. I'm just telling you that that's how it used to be. Because if you left a, if you left a house, you left a house in good standing. Meaning that, that if there was anything, and listen, this is all learning tonight. If there was anything going on in the house that was something you didn't agree with or, or maybe someone had an argument with you or whatever, you'd go talk to that person or dock out that thing so that they would know. And then there'd still be a blessing. Okay, you know what? We can agree to disagree on that. That's, this is how we do it or whatever. Or I'm feeling the Lord leading me, leading us to go to another place. And listen, once you say, I feel the Lord leading you, there's nothing to say, man. You can't go against what God says, amen? But a few times, we've actually had the blessing of being able to pray over somebody and say so-and-so or this family is being led to leave and go to another church, and we pray over them, we send them off with a blessing, amen. you know? And then, and then it hurts a lot less if someone leaves like that, okay? So, Jesse, this is your house, Amen? I'm not trying to put anybody's names out there to embarrass you. You got saved here. Amen? You're, you're a different person tonight. Totally. Thank God to Robert, because Robert was in this house. And you came in and got delivered from addictions, and God has totally turned you around. He's working on your, on your life. He's blessed your marriage. You've gotten married in this house. Amen? There's been an investment into your life. And so matter, no matter what comes along, marital problems, financial problems, physical problems, you say, you know what? This is where I got saved. This is where my life changed. This is my house, and I'm going to be faithful to this place. Amen. Amen? Because there's a blessing in that. And like I said, I could go all around and talk about all kinds of different scenarios. So going back to Sessie, God did a miracle. God's doing a miracle. And we're, and we're so thankful. I was telling my dad, you know, we, we see these new people come in. And, it, it, you know, it's heart-wrenching sometimes as a church. You see people come in and you fall in love with them. And then all of a sudden they're gone. You have other people. Pastor Jones used to tell us. He says, write this down and remember this. <laughs> he says, some people bless you when they come. And some people bless you when they go. Right. <laughs> Amen. That's the truth. Amen. Same with family. Amen. Family comes in for town. They bless you when they come, and they bless you when they go. Amen. You can only put up with them for so long, but they're still family. Amen. So let's 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 move on here. Watch this. Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him. Actually, before I say this, let me give you three things to write down real quick. When you get converted to Christ, and you get saved, it happens one of three ways. One, which is rare. 
you have an absolute Saul conversion experience. Just totally, I believe yours was like that, correct? Nicole's was like that. This guy's was like that. You know, just had, a, just had a, an experience right there by yourself. That happens. The second one is tragedy. A tragedy takes place. Some kind of horror. You could be at a funeral or something horrible could happen in your life and you just all of a sudden have a no understanding, I need God. And you, and, and, and you, and you get saved that way. And the third way is the most common, and that's through somebody. Okay? So one-on-one experience with God, which, which those are rare. Another one is in, in just an absolute tragedy, or some could call it a jailhouse religion. Um, and it doesn't have to be just jail. It could be just a horrible situation, and it drew you to your knees. And you met Jesus, and you stayed saved, praise God. Of course, some don't stay saved. And the third one is somebody told you about Jesus. Okay, so those are the ways we get saved, because sometimes we have to look at ourselves and say, you know what, how, how am I walking? How is my conversion experience? Am I bearing fruit? Am I doing what Ananias did right here for Saul? Because a lot of times we see the end result. We see Saul turn into Paul. We see the New Testament written. We see all these amazing things that take place in, in, in God, and then we forget that if it wasn't for Ananias... Saul, some people, some people erroneously might say, well, he got saved, you know, right on the road to Damascus. But if he doesn't go to meet Ananias, and Ananias doesn't pray for him, his eyes are not opened. Okay? Y'all with me? There's a connection of the miracle to the house and in the house. Because Saul got saved, but Saul never would have met the destiny that he was supposed to meet or do the destiny he was supposed to do or have the fruit that he was supposed to have without meeting Ananias. Okay? So he goes into this house in verse 17. Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me. Look at this. Has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There are some things in your life that will never happen without the house. Okay? They'll never happen. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this to lift up this house or our house. I'm biblically telling you this is how God works. And God established, and this is why uh, someone like that person he was watching on YouTube would bash pastors and bash churches and bash the whole work because people, the devil hates a church that is established on Jesus and is preaching the truth and is trying to stand for something because what did Jesus tell Peter that were such powerful words? He says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we know there's an enemy of the, of the devil and his demons against the church. Especially when the church is doing what the church is supposed to do. Which is evangelizing and discipling and church planting. Amen. And so he says immediately, watch this, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. 
And Saul spent some days with the disciples at, De- at Damascus. When you come in on a Wednesday or a Sunday, we get food. We get spiritual food, amen, for our lives. And, and none of us in here have it together. None of us are perfect. None of us are doing it all right. But being here and saying there's a connection to this house. And you know what, obviously, I wish over the years, sometimes I would have dealt with this thing here more. I would have talked about this more. And maybe it would have been a good warning for some people that when that temptation comes along to leave the house, when that temptation comes along to go find the grass that's greener on the other side of the fence, they might think twice and say, you know what, I can't leave. I shouldn't leave because there's a connection to this house and the things that God has done in my marriage, in my finances, and in my life. Amen? Y'all getting that tonight? Amen. So the last thing that you should do after after you've been converted is you get filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit tonight, that's not a bad thing. That just means you need to keep seeking. Because it's what takes you over the edge, amen? Baptized in the Holy Spirit. We saw that right here. He was, he was baptized in water, but it also says that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is an important key. This, again, is not a salvation issue, but we hit it hard because we realized that when, when was Saul converted? When did he get saved? On the road, right? His conversion experience was on the, on the ground. Fell off the horse, saw the lights. He put his faith in Jesus and was saved at that moment. But the connection to the house in Ananias was that when he got to Ananias, he said, I'm going to pray for you that you receive your sight. And that, 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 can under, that can mean understanding. Amen. How many know all of a sudden things just, some, sometimes things just begin to make sense all of a sudden. And you didn't make sense before. There's something about that. Amen. And of course we understand that there is a, a dynamic to, to liking who you listen to when they preach. There's a, obviously it's important that you like the person that's preaching, that you like the way they preach. Because obviously we're all different and we, we have different strokes for different folks on what we like to hear. And so that's obviously important. But more important than that is being where God wants you to be. And so he went in there, he got baptized, he got fi- and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we see the distinction between him getting saved and him getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Because some people try to say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you get saved. It's a different experience. Okay? You do have the Holy Spirit come into your life, but it's different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So he was baptized there, and then he received food, and he was strengthened. And then we know the rest is history, as they say. The rest is history. And you know, as I talked Sunday morning about our dash, think about what, where, where your life might be or what you would be doing if somebody somewhere would not have reached out to you. If somebody somewhere would not have been obedient. You know, as I look around and you look around in the church, there's a connection to you to somebody else in this church. It's impossible for you to be sitting in this church and not be connected to somebody. Impossible. Even if you came in, even if you came in off the internet or you drove by and saw the sign, there was, there was still something that when you came into the, to the house, even if you came in off the internet or came by off the sign or you had a dream and God said, go to this place, or no matter what it was, when you walked in, there was a connection with somebody. That made you stay. 
Somebody that, that got you to say, you know what, this is my place. Someone that said hi to you, someone who received you, someone who loved on you. And so tonight you, you can think of somebody in this place has made a difference in your life. Somebody in this place has reached out to you. Somebody in this place has connected to your life and been your Ananias. Okay? And so the, the key is, and especially, I want to I make this point, as I'm going to ask the musicians to come in just a minute. I want to make the point that there are certain times of the year where the spirits of darkness work extra hard. Okay? One of the biggest ways to win the victory with God is to recognize attacks. Okay? December is a wonderful month. It's an awesome time of the year. Songs say it's the most wonderful time of the year. Okay? It's family, it's lights, it's, it's, it's gifts, it's all these different things, it's songs, it's, it's cool weather, all these different things. But it can also be a time where Satan attacks harder than he ever attacks. If your priorities aren't right, if your spirit's not in the right place, the devil can come at you and he can throw you for a loop, amen? He can throw you for a hook. He can give you a big old hook, amen? I got a big old notch on my nose today from getting the hook. You should see the other guy. Huh, Dwayne? <laughs> Amen. Don't turn that piano on yet. That's the piano. Gotta get that piano. Amen. See my nose? Does it look big? Just see the other guy's forearm. <laughs> yep. But that's what the devil will do. Amen? He'll step and bam! I didn't get in a fight. But it hurt like it did. When you get hit... You need someone around you, someone to hold you up, someone to pick you up. And if that person that has picked you up before might have been mean to you last time you saw them, don't forget they picked you up the last time before that. Amen? Remember who has been good to you. And remember that there's a connection. That's, I'm going to let this simmer tonight. Musicians, you can go ahead and come. I'm going to let this simmer tonight in your spirit. And I thank God as I was praying, I was praying, as I, and I was praying, and, and I was asking the Lord to give me some examples in the Bible. And it really came out to be actually really very clear and simple when you look at Saul's experience. Did y'all catch that tonight? The connection between the conversion and the house? Go to the house and let this man tell you what you're supposed to do. Let this man pray over you. Amen. I can never stop being indebted to my pastor for what he's done in my life. I got a wonderful call. My dad was with me. I got a wonderful call from my pastor yesterday. I don't get these calls very much. And you know, sometimes when your pastor calls you, amen, it's not a, always a good call. It can be, a, it can be a, a correction, right? And he said some of the nicest. And once I found out it was a good call, I put it on speaker so my dad could hear. <laughs> once I knew it wasn't going to be bad. But he said some great words to me of encouragement, and I thank God for it. I'm indebted to what my pastor has put into my life. And we can say all day long, oh, I'm loyal, I love this place, but when things really get bad, what happens? Right? When you're in marriage, you can say, I love you real easy to your wife if everything's good. But if you're in an argument, do you still say you love them? Come on, oh, I got quiet right there. Amen. <laughs> Not with a what? With, with a, not with a smile. Yeah, it's kind of like gritted teeth, I love you. But you still mean it, amen? So all I'm saying tonight is recognize the month, recognize the time, recognize the attacks, 
and recognize the house that God has you in tonight. Amen. Don't run from the will of God because God's got something for you right down the road. God's got something, so, some, th- something for you somewhere else. We've planted a church. Devil's mad. Amen. You're, work, you're walking for the Lord. Devil's mad. God's did a miracle in you. You've testified. Devil's mad. Okay. But don't be too prideful to, to, to when things don't work out right to stay, stay the course and not, and not leave it. Amen.